This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Some of you on live stream, I believe, but I'm glad to see all of you here. We welcome you. If you got your Bible, go with me. The book of uh, Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to begin. It's going to take me a little while to get there. Again, our theme for this, this series is the blessing. Uh, part of that comes from the book of Numbers chapter 6, verse 23 through 27. Another part of it comes from the book of Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 and 6. Another huge part of it comes from the book of Deuteronomy 28. So I'm just giving you little glimpses of where we're going to be going in the upcoming weeks. I, I encourage you read these passages. And again, I'll reference to them week after week after week. Again, I'm, I'm going to do my best to just begin to wade out into this week after week after week. And so, again, when we talk about blessings, those things just don't happen. And I must always consider the, the long-term ramifications of not only my choices, but actually what I'm consuming, what I'm eating on and feeding on. And so I want to start here in the book of Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12, now this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. I, I, I press on. And when I see the word press on, it means to, to act with a, a steady force, an urgency, a, a determination. And so when I see what he said, it's just not going to happen. I, I've got to press on. But within that word press, it also means to squeeze or to compress. So it, it tells me it, it may not be an easy journey. It may be a fight. And it's kind of like Warren and Stacy said there that to, to have a good marriage, guys, isn't always easy. And if you've been married very long, you can say Amen. But I press on, and he said, I, I, I press in on this one. Why? That I may lay hold of that for, why, for what Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. And so he's saying in this absolute fullness that, that Jesus has stuff that, that he wants me to discover. Why Jesus died for me, what he did for me. Verse 13, brethren. Fellow believers, I do not count myself to have apprehended or achieved. I, I haven't taken possession of it yet, but one thing I do, this, this one aspiration, this one thing I do, pay close attention to what he says here. I forget those things which are behind me. I forget the past and what lies behind me. And I believe he's saying this, that he realized that in his life, I, I can't get to the things what Jesus has for me unless I deal with the past. And I believe every one of us in here have a past, and sometimes the past tries to define my future, but it doesn't have to. And so he says, I, I forget my past, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. 
I, I, I reach forward, I strive for the things that are ahead. And so when you read this with the Apostle Paul, it, he comes across like he's living in this tension. What, what we have been, but what lies ahead or what we desire to be. And our past cannot be our past until it's reconciled with Christ. And let me help you a little bit with that word reconciled. To be reconciled with Christ, that means to be reestablished in my relationship with him. You know how that happens? Is when I ask Jesus to come back in my heart. Lord Jesus, be Lord of my life. So the first thing with reconciliation is, is I have to have a relationship that's been restored. The word reconciliation also means an alteration, to exchange, to change from one condition to another. That's what God does with us when he comes into our heart. So when I see here that the Apostle Paul talks about, I, I got to get past my past, that doesn't mean for, for me just to sweep it under the rug. That doesn't mean blow, blow it off, deny it, or ignore it, that I'm some emotional martyr. So what do I got to do? Keep reading here, verse 14. I press, and there's that word press again. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what Paul's saying, you know what? I want to know Christ. I want to be like Christ. I want to be all that Christ has in mind for me. But again, I can't go forward until I deal and release my past cycle. And that past cycle in your, your life may be pain, may be disappointment, may be failure. Do any of those, does pain, does disappointment, does that describe your life? And it may look like this, that it's almost like I, I keep coming in a circle. It's, it's almost a cycle of self-sabotage. I've been there where I have this thought, why does it look like I just keep coming around the mountain? At times it looks a little better and then all of a sudden something begins to happen. This is what the Apostle Paul tells us. Now go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and as you're turning there, the Lord Jesus said in, in John 16, verse 13, he talked about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would guide us into the truth. I believe that's significant for not only the, the time we live in within the church, but I, I believe in America. That we've got to come together, guys, and start praying, Holy Spirit, we welcome the spirit of truth. Not, not deception, bring out truth. Bring out. So what you're going to hear in these upcoming weeks, you're going to hear me reference John 16, 13. That, that's been my prayer today. And I was on a, on a thread last night with a number of pastors, and we saw a video, and it talked about what would happen if the church began to say, Father God, Holy Spirit, come with the spirit of truth. Well, that's my goal here today, that the spirit of truth would come. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. 
but the word, the Bible is very near you. Now, when I talk about the word of God here, get this about the word of God. The word of God is very practical and the word of God is very realistic. In other words, the word of God is able to do it. I can actually do what the Bible says and the Holy Spirit will help you. God's grace will help you. So he said, the word of God is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. I, I gotta get the word of God on my lips and before long it comes into my heart, but the word of God will not do you or me any good until I do it. And so this is what he tells us in, in Deuteronomy 30. He said, get the word in you. Obey it, obey it. Something happens when I begin to obey the word of God. So I love to say this. You get into the word and God will get into you. And man, when God starts getting in you, whoo, you're talking about a change. Something on the inside starts manifesting on the outside. Man, there's a huge change. Verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Now, in this passage here in Deuteronomy 30, you're going to hear a couple words referenced numerous times. He uses the word you over and over, and he'll use the word today numerous times. So think about this right now. He's talking to me. He's talking to you. And I believe the reason he uses the word today is because human nature oftentimes is, let's procrastinate. Let's just put it up. But it's interesting, he said, today. So he, he describes something here. He says, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. And the way of life and good is nothing less than a choice. Not a chance, but a choice. And we serve a God that created us as free will beings. And so God allows you to choose. God will not force his will upon anybody. But you decide. And the decision you make, whether life or good, death or evil, it has consequences. It has big consequences. Verse 16, that I command you today to love the Lord, to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. So the command was this, we are to love God, we are to obey God. We are co to commit ourselves to God. Now watch this in verse 16. Keep reading. That you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. That the Lord God will bless you. The Lord God will bless you. God's desire for every one of us is to bless us. But if you look at the order this is all in right now, The Lord your God wants to bless you, but that's the end result, okay? I gotta love him, I gotta obey him, and I gotta commit myself to him. God wants to bless us, but the way he does that is we gotta follow what he tells us to do. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away, let me ask you something, where's your heart at today? 
But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, which is a possibility, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish or be destroyed. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. So do you get what he says here? You don't have to love God. You don't have to obey God. You don't have to commit your life to God. But there will be consequences for your choices. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. And heaven and earth, they've never deviated from the function God ordained for them. And so he says, I bring heaven and earth as a witness today against you. That I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, when I read this, this is what I get with what he's saying here. It's almost like today we're going to a buffet right here after church. And we're going to eat. And we pick up this tray and it's a line to the left and a line to the right. And the line to the left is blessing and life. But the line to the right is a curse and death. Now, if I read this correctly, he says, I, I, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, here's the interesting part. I'm sitting there with my tray, and I'm looking at what's being offered on the left and what's on the right. And then look what God does. He says, choose life. Choose life. It's like God comes up beside me and taps me and says, if you hadn't figured it out, I'm going to tell you the answer. Choose life. Choose life. Keep reading. that both you and your descendants may live. So what he tells me here, my choice doesn't just affect me. My choice affects my children and my grandchildren. That both you and your descendants may live. And so whether I like this or not, what I choose influences me, but what I choose also influences my children. Now you're going to have to keep coming back week after week because I'm going to go in this more and more and more and more. But I want you to see what he says. You, you, today. Verse 20 that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for the Lord, he is your life. Life doesn't make sense without the Lord. And the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. So the key here to this life, the life is blessing, is to come before God and, and, and to honor God, to obey and love God. That, that isn't something that I talk about from a legalistic way. It's, and I, I love to honor God. I love to praise God. I love to live for God. Does that mean I'm perfect? No. But watch how he ends this, and he says, To the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, 
to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. If you pick up how he ends verse 20, you see real quick, our God is a generational God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Man, something happens. You know, and so in our lives, I, I look at it this way. The Bible tells us we're all to leave our children or grandchildren an inheritance. The greatest inheritance I can give them or leave them is an inheritance of God. Love God. Live for God. Obey God. Now, turn just a couple pages back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And as we, we head into this chapter here, God gives many assurances of his readiness to bless. And he often speaks of things that he wants to do in the future. But there are always conditions. And so the blessings that he'll talk about in Deuteronomy, these are our promised potential to the obedient but the other side, the judgments that are a predicted certainty for the disobedient. That's what you're going to see. So what the Lord tells me is I am to teach you. I am to warn you. I am to urge you, live for God. Now You're going to hear me reference Deuteronomy 28 a number of times. I encourage you to read this. It's a fairly long chapter. The first part is the blessing, the last part is the curse. So we start Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently, if you fully obey the voice of the Lord your God, these things will come to pass. To observe carefully all his commandments. So right there on verse 1, two words jump out to me real quick. Diligently, which means day by day by day by day, and carefully, carefully. Man, what would happen if we begin to say, Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you to work in me that diligence, that, that careful. He goes on to say, carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. Verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because. So when I see the because, there's a because factor in here. And I love to read this part. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Woo, we all say amen. I welcome the blessings that come upon me. I welcome the blessings to overtake me. Because, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So again, the blessings are promised potential to the obedient, those who loyally obey him and serve him. Verse 14. So you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right or to the left, to go after other gods or to serve them. So right there, verses 1 through 14, you can go back and you can look at the blessings. Incredible, incredible list of every one of them. But things shift a little bit here in verse 15. But it shall come to pass 
If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Now this is, this is the, the consequences of my choice when I refuse to listen and to observe and perform what he's asked me to do. So let me give you the definition of a curse here. The definition of a curse, it means a spiritual force used by the devil to sabotage your success and a future. It means to pronounce a sentence to afflict. Wow. Because of my choice. And so the consequences of obedience is a blessing, the consequences of disobedience is a result of the curse. So when I look at this, I, I'm, I'm not talking about being legalistic when I obey the word of God. I'm talking about there's a heart change within me. And when I say a heart change within me, I, I, I want to obey God. So let me ask you some questions. Did Jesus die for the sins of the world? Yes. Did Jesus pay once and for all? Yes. So is everyone on this planet Earth saved? No. No. But Jesus himself said on the cross, it was finished. So if Jesus said it is finished, why isn't everyone saved? Because it comes down to a choice that I must choose to ask Jesus to come into my heart. And when I choose to ask Jesus to come into my heart, that's appropriated by faith. But the proof that Jesus is Lord of my life is I begin to walk in obedience. And I begin to live for him and I begin to obey him. So truly when I'm born again, man, there's a shift in my heart. There's a shift in your heart. That's one of the greatest uh, analogies of when you get born again. When you really get born again, it doesn't mean you quit sinning. It just means I sin less or it bothers me to sin. I don't like to sin. I don't like to disappoint God. So it's a sign I'm born again. But when I talk about this, again, it must be appropriated by faith. Now, just for time's sake this morning here, jump with me to, to verse 45. Deuteronomy 28, 45. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you. And these curses will pursue you. And these curses will overtake you until you are destroyed. Now, I, I want to highlight something here. When I, I see his wordings, the design of a curse is to come upon us, to pursue us, to overtake us, but to ultimately destroy us. So every one of us, if I begin to look into my life, there, there can be certain things that periodically show up, like I said, to sabotage you. And so understand what he's talking about. That, that these curses are real. And he tells again the four things that happen. Why? Why does this happen? 
Verse 45. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments, his statutes, which he commanded you. You chose not to obey. So we go back to Deuteronomy 30. Remember what he said, choose this day. So again, these become a choice. Verse 46. And they, these curses, shall come upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Uh-oh. So if I read or interpret the scriptures clearly here, because of my choice not to obey God, this will be handed down to my children, my offspring, and my descendants. And so again, there's a blessing and there's a curse. I wish the blessing just happened because it happened, but there's a reason the blessing happens, because I choose to live for God. Verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God, listen to this, with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. When you choose to serve God, is there, is there joy? Is there gladness? Is there abundance of your heart? There is. I don't know about you. This, this, this is the highlight of my week. I love to come on Sunday mornings. It's a joy. And so if there's not a joy within you, do you know one of the fruit of the Spirit of Galatians 5 is the Holy Spirit said joy? There, there should be a joy within us. You know why a lot of people aren't Christians? Because you are. What do you mean by that? Well, if you smiled, your face would crack. I don't believe that Christians should be bitter and mad and angry. I think we ought to be joyful people, even in COVID-19. The joy of the Lord's my strength. And so there's something that happens within my heart that it's not based on the external, it's based on the internal. I got one more passage of scripture I got to take you to this morning. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Now, as you're turning there, I'm just going to tell you, these upcoming weeks, you will probably hear me go back and forth into these references because there's so many nuggets within them. And so again, I'm, I'm talking about obedience to God. That's the first thing we all got to hear today. But in the upcoming weeks, I'm, I'm going to give you biblical references, scripture, that I, I believe will not only change your destiny, but it'll change the destiny of your children. And one of the things I highlight was just like Warren and Stacy. There's things within every one of our bloodlines, and I'm gonna walk you through this biblically, where you begin to say, I'm, I'm walking under the blessing. I'm walking under the blessing. How, how many of you in here right now, can, can you raise your hand and say, I'm walking under the blessing? There's hands going, I'm, I'm walking under the blessing. I'm, I'm blessed. We are blessed because our stand for God. God's word doesn't change. Now, as I go to, to Isaiah 61, I'm going to read verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. This passage is generational, okay? This is what this is talking about. It's generational in nature, but what you'll begin to see here 
God's desire for this is the healing of generations. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. I, I welcome that. I don't know about you. What a prayer. I welcome the Spirit of God to be upon me. I welcome you today, Holy Spirit. And so he goes on to say, because he has anointed me. The the word anointed here, it, it means he has divine appointment for me. It also means to consecrate someone or something. So the anointing of God is upon me. The anointing of God is upon you. All that is is a a dose of grace. It's a power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon me. So he said the anointing of God is upon me. For what? To preach good tidings to the poor. We, We can never overlook that, guys. The number one thing that he says, preach the word of God. Tell people the truth. Preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That may define you today. We live in a world of brokenhearted people. We're we're, we're all just a bunch of broken pieces. That Jesus is the only one who can put us back together again. Brokenhearted. That may define you today. It's good news because God's going to come to your aid today. To proclaim freedom, to announce freedom to the captives. Physical freedom, spiritual freedom to the captives. Our, Our God is a God that sets people free, our God is not a God of bondage. So listen again. He said, I've anointed you to preach, to heal the brokenhearted, to to set the captives free. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound, those who are confined, restrained, restricted. The, The word bound right there means a legal restraint. And when he talks about those who are imprisoned or bound, I think he's talking to a degree of generational curses that you look and think, I'm imprisoned to this. I can't get out of it. But he said, I've sent the anointed one to set you free to those who are bound. Have you ever been bound to something? I have. I know what it's like to be bound to alcohol. And so whatever defines you may not define me, but I understand what it is to be bound where I was, I was imprisoned by it. It was almost like, I, I don't want to do this, but I keep doing this. Kind of like the Apostle Paul said, the thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. That means you're bound. And one of the greatest ways or the first steps of getting free from being bound is to admit it, I'm bound. I had a guy one day too, said to me, he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm the liar of all liars. And you know what I said to him? You're a candidate to be set free. One of the very first steps of being set free is to be able to say, that's me. That's me. I'm bound. But I highlight, Jesus said, I, I came to set the captives free. I, I came to release those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord the grace and favor of our God and the day of vengeance of our God. And when he talks about the day of vengeance, that's the second coming of Christ. 
So again, he gets over on here to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We gotta tell people about Jesus. He, he ends verse two and says, to comfort all who mourn. Now I'm gonna come back to this word mourn and the reason I'm gonna wait just a second he mentions this word three times, real quick. So he said, I want to comfort those who mourn. I want to console those who mourn in Zion. I want to give them beauty or roses for ashes. The word ashes means past hurts or failed dreams. So you know what he says? I want to change your life. Let me ask you something. Does this describe you? Do you have past hurts and failed dreams? I do. Well, my God wants to change that. My God wants to fulfill. And then he lists a word here, the oil of joy for mourning, the, the message of joy for the news of doom. So you see the word mourn twice, and then he used the word mourning. I looked this up, all the definitions of this. We know in the word mourning, it's associated with death. It could mean that you're hurting because someone died, or you could be hurting on the inside because you're living a death-like existence. I'm alive, but I'm dead. But listen to the other definition of mourning. Something that's regrettable. I wonder how many of us come in here week after week and I have stuff that's, that's stuck on the inside of me that's regrettable. And he, he said, I want to heal that. I, I don't want you to have to live with regret. You know what I found out in my life? I, I wish I could go way back. I, I wish I could go back in the area of my life where I, I lived like such a sinner. I have regretted that, but you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, one thing I do, I forget my past and I press on to the goal that's before me. And you know what I found out? I can't change my past, but I got to move on from it. I, I got to let those things that go that are regrettable. And you know what I believe? When, when God moves in your heart like that, he'll say, I'm, I'm going to bless those areas where there was regret. I'm, I'm going to change that in your heart. I'm going to give you beauty for ashes. I'm going to bless you. He goes on to say this. The garment of praise with the spirit of heaviness. Now, the word spirit of heaviness, it referenced discouragement. How many of you live right now? You don't raise your hand, okay? Do, do you live with discouragement? And he said it can be replaced by abundant life. And so the, the garment of praise is the power of spirit-filled worship that cast off any oppressive works of discouragement. 
Put on the, the garment of praise. The garment of praise repels and replaces the heavy spirit. It, it's like he's saying, be dressed with praise. Put on the garment of praise. And so guess what that tells me? There's something the Holy Spirit will begin to move on the inside. And we're like, man, I praise God. The, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The plant, and then he goes on to say that, that they may be called trees of righteousness. This takes an interesting twist here, trees of righteousness. The only way you or me becomes righteous is you got to get Jesus in your heart. Jesus makes me righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus has qualified me as righteous. But he said... The trees of righteousness. Some translations will say the oaks of righteousness. Now, I was in the south a couple months ago. And in areas of, of Charleston, you have old, old, old historic areas. And I would look at these oak trees. And they, they were magnificent. They, they were lofty. They, they were distinguished. I mean, when I would look at them and think, these oaks right here are literally hundreds of years old. And like I said, they just stood. And, and there were times I would just look and I'd think, wow. And so when we think of a tree, we, we look at the trunk. And how many of you ever looked at a trunk and say, golly, that thing's huge. I couldn't get my arms around it. But the tree goes up and the branch is here and the branch is here. And, and you look about how, how sturdy and structured they are. And so most of the time, all we look at as the outward part of the tree. But we never consider the root system. And the root system is what gives it its strength. It's what nourishes it. So why, why would I highlight that here? Man cannot effectively change his behavior without changing his heart or his root system. And the way I change my root system, I've got to give Jesus my heart. And then you know what I do? I begin to nourish my root system. I begin to put the word in. And I begin to become a person that puts on the garment of praise. And so when I read this about here, the root issues of our heart. He said he wants to make you trees of righteousness. But this doesn't happen until I deal with those roots. And so is your root system, is it full with, uh, of iniquities, of sin that has been in our family bloodlines for a generation? Is, is it full with demonic activity? Is it full with unforgiveness, judgments, inner vows? Is my root system filled with religion? Here's a great thought for you with religion. The only person that Jesus ever got mad at was the religious. That can be in my root system. And so from my root system, it's what bears fruit in my life. And when I talk about bear fruit in my life, it becomes my outward manifestations, a predicted certainty 
from my family trees. So look what he ends this verse with. And he says, the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. The planning of the Lord. I, I got to get Jesus in my heart. The planning of the Lord. And then I said, Lord, I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. And so he goes on in verse 4. And he's going to give three R's. Now watch this. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Our God's a rebuilder. It doesn't say he's going to bring in a, a, a bulldozer and smash everything down and get rid of it. Now God rebuilds the old ruins. And then it says this, and they shall raise up the former desolations, the former wreckage. They'll raise them up. And they shall repair the ruined cities. Our God is a rebuilder and our God is a raiser-upper and our God is a repairer. He's a renewer and he's a reviver. And nowhere in there do I see the Lord says, well, let's just cope with it. He doesn't say anything. Let's just tolerate it. Our God uses those three R's in your life and my life. Now watch how he ends verse four. That the desolations that the devastations, that the wreckage of many generations. And so I told you, this is generational in nature right here. I, I don't know what's being handed down to you right now. But our God is a, a, a rebuilder. He's a raiser-upper. He's a repairer. And it begins to happen by, by a couple areas. One, I've got to be reconciled. I've got to come back to Jesus. But God wants to sanctify you. How does God sanctify us? By the blood of Jesus. Where I, I become more and more like Christ Jesus. God wants to purify you. God wants to purge you. You know what that means? I'm a tree. Sometimes he's got to cut some branches off. That's what purging means. Sometimes he's got to spray me for some pests. God wants to purge me. Here's what I found out in my life. Anytime God starts purging me, you know why he purges me? He's got a harvest in mind. He's got a harvest in mind. There's times in my life that I sense God, he, he gets out those little bitty snips. And there's times in my life I hear the Lord, Rawr! and it's a chainsaw, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's getting ready to cut something big off. That's a good thing. I, I've purged things before, not to the delight of my wife. We had some rose bushes in a house I lived in, and I hated them. I hate him. Anytime I got near him, everything. So you know what I did one day? I took a shovel. And I whacked him. I mean, I whoop, whoop. And I thought, it's going to kill him. It's going to kill him. She came home and she said, what would you do to those rose bushes? And I said, I purged them. The next year, those things came back like I've never seen them come back. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do? See, this is what God's doing. 
He, he wants a sanctification. He wants a reconciliation. He wants a purges because you know what? He wants the blessing to flow. He wants the blessing to flow to your life and my life. Why don't you stand up here today? Do you know there's a war against your destiny? And it's in the form of a curse. And so I think about all the things we've talked about today. Every one of us in here have a past. A past that you may be embarrassed about, shamed about, guilted about. That's why Jesus comes in. Jesus wants to help you. The very first step is, man, i got to give Jesus my heart. Number two, I begin to think of all the things that he said in Isaiah 61. And I want to heal the brokenhearted. I, I want to set the captives free. I, I want to release those who are bound. Those who mourn. And so the way this begins to start is when I begin to acknowledge Jesus. And I say, Lord, I, I welcome you to move in me. Again, as our praise and worship team is going to sing here, if you feel comfortable coming down here, I welcome you. If you feel comfortable staying in your own seat, but I think God wants to do stuff here today. Where right now you give your heart to Jesus, but number two, it may be you raising your hands to heaven today. It may be you with your spouse, maybe your whole family, and you say this. We choose life. We choose blessing today. Father God, I ask you to grace us to love you, to obey you, to commit you. I see, Father God, you want to bless us today. And so however God's moving in your heart, I, I just welcome you to respond to it today because God wants to bless. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.